Hello, I'm Lisa Peter, and I'm coming to you today from the Eel, the Edwin Elder Library, and we are on Chapter 5 of the book, Prayer, 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 The Supreme Need of the Hour, by Andrew D. Urshan. And these are from my notes, and also from the book, that's just a really short chapter, so I'm going to read some of it out of there. And we are on Chapter 5, The Secret of the Welsh Revival of 1904 by an eyewitness, J.M. Jones. One of the greatest revivals next to Pentecost was that which took place in Wales, amongst the Welsh coal miners under the leadership of one named Evan Roberts. He was no genius, merely a son of poor parents, but nevertheless, he had been brought up in an atmosphere of prayer. The miners in those days, those who were zealous for God's cause, used to hold after every Sunday morning sermon, they used to hold every Sunday morning after the prayer meeting, I mean, after the sermon, a prayer meeting called the Young People's Prayer Meeting. Evan Roberts attended like the rest of the young men. It was always noticed, however, that his prayers were more earnest, more intense, and more supplicant, and contained a greater intercessory spirit for the fallen and unfortunate than those of his brother worshipers. One day, in one of these meetings in the year 1904, the fire, which is his continual earnest prayer was creating, burst out into flame. It spread into the other members of that little prayer meeting. They were so filled that some of them stood on the benches and yelled for all they were worth. Others leaped over the benches, unable to contain the blessing. Soon the noise of shouting and jumping within the little room spread to the village, and in a short space of time, the people came in hundreds to see the cause. Yeah, that does sound a lot like the day of Pentecost. Thus began the Great Welsh Revival, which shook not only South Wales where it began, but even as simply as a fervent desire on the part of that little prayer meeting for a deeper communion with God and a desire that God should manifest his power through them to the world. Some of the characteristics of the revival were an absolute forgetfulness of time in their worship. You ever done that? You get caught up in a prayer meeting and you're like, man, where did time go? I've done that. But in this in this um, prayer revival, one girl in prayer said, The saloon is open till midnight. Cannot we also pray until midnight? If Satan's door can be open so late, must the door of grace be closed sooner? In those days it was so it was no uncommon sight to see worshippers coming home in the early morning hours after they had been praising and praying all night. Another characteristic was that swearing almost entirely ceased among the miners, to such an extent that some of the pit ponies would not draw their load because they had been used to so much swearing before. Drunkards who were thought hopeless were converted. They were consciences that loved the hardness of a long life of sin were touched, so that money had been money that had been stolen was returned of their own accord. It was truly for a time the kingdom of heaven on earth. There was no need of asking anyone to take part. The trouble was how to keep order in the meetings as everybody was anxious to testify what the Lord had done. Evan Roberts drew interest because of his method. He was different to all the other ministers. Sometimes he would sit unobserved by the many amongst the pews until someone would prevail in him to go to the front. Then, unless he felt that the Spirit had a message to the people, he would say nothing. When he when he spoke in, in clear, short-cut sentences and to the point, his words used to cut asunder and to the dividing of soul and spirit, as it were, confirming saints and terrifying sinners to seek repentance. Sometimes he would shake all over, his lips moving, but saying nothing. This would sway the people more than when he spoke. Many people would leap in their seats by merely looking at him, for as it were God's glory beautifying his face. The outcome of the revival was that thousands were converted who knew not Christ, 
Thousands of others were strengthened in the inner man and a revelation of what can be accomplished by persistent supplication and intercession for all men was obtained. You know, I've been thinking a lot lately about Hebrews um, Hebrews chapter 8, verses 10 through 12, where it talks about everybody knowing about the Lord, that there would be nobody to tell because uh, every neighbor, everybody small and great all knew about him. And I was thinking that during this um, coronavirus, how that everybody's getting on the internet and children uh, are being drawn to the Lord through puppet ministry and children's church and things like that. And the older people are um, feeling conviction from the online streaming services and such. But reading this, it sounds like in the 1900s. And then we know before that in the 1800s, it seems like every generation or every couple generations have had a great awakening. And we are claiming God that, that we're ha that's what we're having right now here in 2000. I said 2000, which it is, but I like to say 2020 is easier. 2020, the year of 2020 vision, that's what we've been claiming. And Yes, parts of the world have been really strange. Things have been shut down and stuff, but people have been more aware. I believe that that is the secret to a mighty revival. That's the secret to a Welsh revival, uh, English revival, uh, whatever you are, whatever your nationality is. That is the secret. It's prayer. There is no greater thing than to touch God, the touch of him of his garment. And well, um, I know a lot of times I tell people I'm Cherokee, and of course my maiden name Kelly tells you I'm Irish, and I married a German, <laughs> my husband, and, but even my even on my side of the family there's some German. In fact, I think kind of everything. I know we had Welsh, the Boyles family. My grandma Chilton's mom and dad um, was from Welsh. They were well, uh, Wales, what the, W A L E S. Um, they. Uh, also, uh, my grandpa Chilton was um, Scottish-Irish, and we had um, Cherokee, of course, on both sides of those. And on my grandma Kelly's side, um, there's Irish, and there was uh, Indian, but they didn't know if it was Cherokee or not, but they knew that there was some Indian. Uh, my grandpa Kelly's mom was what they called a squaw, an Indian squaw. Um, but anyway, there was a whole bunch of different nationalities, and I know that the Lord has moved through our family for many generations in fact, I asked my um, my cousin Sherry, her and her husband pastor in Colorado Springs, Colorado, um, but I asked her at one of our family reunions, I said, do you think that the reason that some of us, um, and we're like five generation, four and five generation Pentecost, I said, do you think that's because we are um, part of the covenant that uh, God made with Grandpa Chilton? She says, she don't know. You know, uh, it could be an established covenant. That's what I asked. I said, do you think we're part of an established covenant? Now, each man and woman has to work out their own salvation with fear and trembling. That's true. But I know that my grandparents prayed. And I know that um, I was talking about my grandpa Chilton there. That's my mom's dad. But I also know that on my mom, on my dad's side, my grandma Kelly, every night before she'd go to bed, she would pray for everyone in the family. She would. She said she would place people, you know, she would think about, you know, this is their kids and all that. And she'd pray for each and every one. I know that we are living on our grandparents' prayer Prayer works. Prayer works even to the third and fourth, fifth generation. Because I told you it's my grandparents. My grandma Kelly said that she was 40 when she went to a tent revival and received the Holy Ghost. And then she got baptized in Jesus' name. And my grandpa and grandma Chilton, they were pilgrim of holiness, which I'm not sure if that had the same all the same beliefs as Pentecost or not. But they, um, they became um, converted to the Pentecost way um, through 
Brother Lloyd um, Lloyd Romine there in Terre Haute, Indiana, Kings Highway Tabernacle. And then my mom and, and my dad, you know, they weren't raised their whole life in Pentecost, but they also got in. And then, um, then me and my brother were raised, and then my children were raised, and now my grandchildren are being raised all in the Pentecostal. And then I didn't mention, but my grandma, um, Kelly's mom, Granny, Granny Southern, uh, Miss Sister Lena Southern, she was a sister to the people at church. Um, she got in church, even though she wasn't raised in it as also. So it's it was my, if you start with her, that was my great-grandma, then my grandma, then my dad, then me, then my children, and now my grandchildren. That's six generations that we know of that have apostolic Pentecostal experience. As Peter preached on the day of Pentecost, repent and be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ, for the remission of sins, and you shall receive the gift of the Holy Ghost. So, yeah, my ad lib, my talking is longer than the chapter. But prayer is the supreme need of the hour. So pray for your families. It works.